welcome in to another episode of the Growing Faith Podcast. My name is Rick McClatchy. I am your host today. I'm actually flying solo today, so we'll give this one another try. Uh, got reasonable feedback on the last episode that I did all by myself. I know I usually like to have uh, more than one person in in the recording. It kind of makes for a, a nice... A nice friendly banter, going back and forth, if you will, uh, just about the different topics that we cover here at the Growing Faith Podcast. Uh, many of you regular listeners would know that our heart is to just help equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And when we're talking about the saints, we're just talking about um, what I always like to refer to as the average Joe uh, and Georgina <laughs> um, in, in the church. So uh, one thing that I think kind of uh, gets in our way as the church in order to really advance the kingdom of God. Because, I mean, we believe that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our savior. He died for our sins. That is something worth declaring, my friends. And so um, sometimes what happens is we uh, we either rely on church staff uh, to kind of make things happen and we come in for... Uh, a good experience. Uh, it's interesting how even some some churches refer to their worship time every week as a worship experience. And I mean, worship is certainly an experience. That's for sure. When we enter into the courts of the God of the universe, you better believe you're going to have an experience. Uh, but definitely church is more of a participation type of uh, environment, type of family. And uh, there's work to be done, and uh, and you know if you're a regular listener here, we definitely we're talking a lot about um, small groups, a lot about pastoral care, and we've had a lot of conversations about discipleship, and so that's actually what we want to dig into today is the whole concept uh, of discipleship in the context of small groups, um, and one just one simple aspect of that, and so. Um, Sometimes uh, in small groups, it can be very easy just to settle into um, a pattern or habit of hanging out and, uh, you know, maybe maybe even air quote building relationships. And hey, you know me, uh, man, I love I love relationships. I love people. I love growing uh, together uh, with people. Um, and so, man, I'm I'm the last one that's going to criticize the act of building relationships with others, specifically in the community of faith here in the church. So, but but I think what happens sometimes is we get solely focused on just building good relationships. And sometimes we forget that we're supposed to be following Jesus really intentionally. Sometimes I think we leave it up for guesswork or uh, for... Just the uh, also maybe the quote unquote organic process like we just we want to build relationships and just see the organic natural flow of growth. And you know what? Again, I'm all for natural outflow and growth for sure. But I mean, let's talk about intentionality for a minute. Intentionality goes a long way (laughs) because. I don't know, I've had this conversation, and and I've said it on the podcast before, so this will be a little bit of a repeat, um, but I won't tell you what episodes. So if you want to find where else I have um, 
where else I have referenced this. You just have to go back and listen to all of the previous 75 episodes or whatever the number is, something like that. <laughs> so, and if you find it, then I want you to email me at rickm at manahouse.church and let me know what episodes I have referenced uh, the organic garden example. And I just might send you a $5 Starbucks card. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying it, it could happen. Now, if, if a whole bunch of you do it, you know, I'm probably going to have to limit it to the first four listeners uh, that, that, that pick me up on this, on this challenge. And so, um, but the organic garden example, here is what I'm talking about is sometimes people come and they're like, no, we just, we want our relationships to grow organically. You know, we just, we just want to see what happens and see how it happens and when it happens. And, and that's great. I understand where you're coming from. You don't want to force stuff, but have you ever given thought to an organic garden? I mean, have you ever gone to here in the Northwest? It's Fred Meyer, I guess, maybe the, the further east in the in the nation that you go, um, you get to like Kroger's and stuff like that. Uh, but you go to the grocery store. I, I digress into too many details. You go to the grocery store and you go to the produce section and say you're shopping for bananas and the regular normal you know quote unquote normal bananas are 53 cents 59 cents a pound and then right next to them are these other bananas they have a sticker on them that say organic but those are 89 cents a pound well why in the world do i have almost a 60 percent increase in price just because of an organic sticker well, I mean, the truth of the matter is it costs more money to produce organic or <laughs> I almost said organic relationships. It takes more money to produce organic bananas. Why is that? Because you have to do it the slow, the old slow way, not the new technology spray them so no bugs get on them. So there's it, it takes more work. It takes more observation. It takes more. Uh, there's actually more loss involved because you do have some of your crop that will get consumed by bugs and that kind of thing because you are choosing the organic path. You're choosing not to use artificial uh, product and um, practices to to grow your bananas, to grow your tomatoes, to grow your carrots, whatever the different products are that, you know, whatever the different produce uh, is that you are growing, you've chosen the organic path, which does not mean that you have chosen the go with the flow path. It's actually anything but that. It is the highly intentional, focused, slower way, willing to, because, because what you're shooting for in the end is a higher quality end product, not a higher quantity end product. Man, the more we get into this discussion, the more excited I am about the whole picture that we're painting here as we just talk about discipleship. And I'm here to tell you, I, I believe, friends and family, I think some of my family members listen to this show, um, we're, we're here for the... The slower product that is higher quality because that's what Jesus wants. He said that you are my disciples. Go 
into all the world and make disciples. He said, as you go, as you go about doing the things that you do, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all the things that I have instructed you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Come on, Jesus. Thank you so much for what you have done for us. Thank you that you have given us all authority. Thank you that you are always with us, that we can remember that in the process, that we're not alone in this, what sometimes feels like a pretty overwhelming task. So, with that being established that it is indeed our task and it is indeed what we want to focus our attention on, I just wanted to dig into now the context of small groups because um, here at Manor House, where I'm a staff pastor at our Rocky Butte campus, we're in the, the greater Portland area. And um, I'm telling you, uh, we, we're coming back to meeting in person after this whole COVID, uh, you know, shutdown. And I mean, obviously, we're still in the middle of COVID stuff. Um, but we're back in meeting in person, smaller gatherings, but pretty awesome, pretty, uh, pretty great presence of God there and connection and relationship. It's pretty great. Um, and actually, uh, you know, in full disclosure, I, mean, I was pretty, I was pretty discouraged a couple weeks ago because I saw the total number of small groups that uh, were started going into the fall, and, and it was a, it was a fair decrease from what we had back in January, February time. But, you know, I think if we're honest and we look at the whole layout of the land, um, it actually wasn't that terrible. Uh, but I was actually recently encouraged because this last, uh, this last week we actually had um, 12 groups started. 12 new groups started in just one week. And it was actually like a 20% increase over, uh, you know, of the groups that I already had started. So pretty excited to see the progress that we're making um, in small groups in this season because I really believe small groups are really uh, a big part of where it's at in this season uh, because there's still lots of people that are uncomfortable interacting in large groups and so we have to we have to as a church have environments where smaller groups of people can connect and even some of those being able to connect virtually for those that are not ready yet to connect in person. And so uh, we have to allow for the journey of every person, wherever they're at, wherever they're coming from, uh, to allow them. And Because I, I was just reading in, in Luke this morning the story of Zacchaeus. And, uh, and it's a powerful story because it says that, that Zacchaeus heard that the Savior was going to be in the neighborhood, so to speak. And so he he hustled and bustled, man. He got himself into a place where he could encounter, uh, where he could encounter Jesus and he couldn't see him because he was a short guy. Unfortunately, I feel like I can relate. But he's a short guy, so he can't see over the crowd. So he does an unthinkable and an embarrassing thing. And he climbs a tree to get up to where he can see Jesus. And powerful thing. Jesus looks up in the tree and he's like, hey, buddy, come on down. I'm going to your house today and we're going to eat together and salvation has come to your house today. You know, it's interesting, the religious people, they actually criticized him. How 
dare you? How dare you go to his house? Don't you know who he is? Don't you know what he's done? Don't you know how he has treated our people? And Jesus is not shaken by that. He knows his appointed place that day is to go to Zacchaeus' house. Salvation comes to his house. Zacchaeus, uh, radically transformed by the power of Jesus, goes and pays back uh, debts to people that he's stolen from four times what he took from them. It's a beautiful, beautiful story of redemption, and it's Jesus responding to a heart that is longing for him and meets him and and actually changes him in ways that he didn't see coming. So it's small groups, my friends, where we need to be so that we can actually help find those people uh, that are seeking him, that are that are trying to find Jesus, and we can help show them the way so that their life can be transformed as well. So here at Manor House, we always tell small group leaders, we have three jobs that we want you to do. Those three jobs are fairly simple. The first one is to meet regularly as a group. And that seems, you know, somewhat uh, non, uh, you know, kind of a no-duh, kind of a moment. Hey, if you're going to be a small group, you should probably meet together. So that one's fairly basic. And the definition of that has definitely changed over the last six months. Now we would say digital, in-person, some kind of hybrid. We're open to a lot of it, you know, because we just want you to connect. Um, so meet regularly with your group. And uh, we're, we're definitely of the weekly type of conviction. We want our groups as much as humanly possible to meet weekly uh, because we believe that that establishes a nice pattern of regularness in the group. Uh, which helps build connectivity, which can lead to uh, the discipleship types of things that we're about to talk about here in just a moment. The second job of a small group leader is to pray for the people in their small group by name every day. And this is uh, probably what I would say to be like the secret sauce. The secret sauce of being a successful small group leader Um, That sounds like it should be a book or something, but um, the secret sauce of a successful small group leader is, I think, praying for your people every single day by name. What what a powerful thing that unlocks in people's lives is we we don't just care for people, but we bring them before the throne of God every single day and say, God, bless them. God, give them what they need for the challenges that they're going to face today. God, guard their heart today. God, keep them from uh, from from temptation. God, keep them from giving into maybe that that bad habit, that sinful pattern of behavior they have in their life. Help them today, God. Draw them to yourself, Lord. Stir a hunger in their heart for your word and your presence today. Such a powerful thing we can do for people. And then thirdly, the last one that we do is we say, help them, those in your group, help them identify and take their next step in their relationship with Jesus. This, of course, would be our discipleship element of the small group leading process. And that's kind of the simple way that we describe it is uh, help them identify and take their next step in their relationship with Jesus. One key word in there is we say help. 
help them. Don't do it for them. It's actually impossible for you to really do it for them. And anything that you kind of do for them probably ends up kind of hampering the process overall. And, um, and, and then the two-part process there, help them identify. So, um, you know, my good friend G.I. Joe, he would uh, regularly say, knowing is half the battle, but it is only half the battle, folks, because knowing is not enough. Um, we have to then apply. We have to do it. We have to put, <laughs> we have to make the rubber meet the road, man. We got to go some places. So help them identify and then help them take their next step in their relationship with Jesus. Now, that can sound very performance oriented, uh, but we don't really mean it in a performance orientation type of way. We mean it more in just a regular growth way. Healthy things grow. And I love this quote. Uh, I will try to figure out whoever said it, but uh, the quote came to me, shall we say, unmarked. So the quote is this, we cannot make anything grow, but we can foster environments where growth is the natural byproduct of living. And that is actually been my most recent kind of like mantra for our small groups at Manor House here at Rocky Butte specifically is recognizing we can't make anything grow, but we can foster environments where growth is the natural byproduct of being around this place. And and that's kind of what I what I want to see happen in our church and hopefully in your church and the environment where you are involved in whatever level of ministry you're involved in is that you would help foster environments where growth, spiritual growth, is a natural byproduct of them living around that environment. And so to go kind of along that, um, kind of the big the big idea, you know, you've been with me for uh, a good a good 18 minutes at this point, and now we're finally getting to the thing that brought us all together today. We're going to talk about this one concept of discipleship conversation starters. And this is the way I think that you take a regular small group um, environment where you're just shooting the breeze. You're talking about this thing and that thing. It seems like a good moment for a drink of my coffee. Hold on one moment. Oh, yeah. Coffee in the morning is a good thing. So we want to take just the regular social hangout environment and find subtle, small um, almost unnoticeable ways where we do a little shift <laughs> or in today's lingo, we pivot, pivot the conversation into a discipleship oriented conversation. And so I just want to run a couple of these ideas past you and you can take one or two of them that you specifically like and just try it this week with your friend, with your neighbor that you know loves Jesus or, I mean, you could just use it in any number of, of types of conversations where maybe you're talking about sports and you're hanging out and there's this nice little lull in the conversation and you come at them with something like this. Hey, how how's the Lord been speaking to you through his word this week? Before you're going to ask that question, here's one thing I bet you're going to do is you're going to you're I bet you're going to probably make sure you have an answer for that question. 
So what happens in this process, the more that we are willing to engage in the discipleship process uh, with other people, the more that it pushes us to be actual, consistent, regular disciples of Jesus, because we're not going to ask people, hey, what's the Lord been speaking to you through his word this week if we uh, we haven't even cracked it open this week, right? We're, we're going to shrink back from that question. So maybe you need to start uh, start by having these conversations with yourself. Can I get an amen, folks? Kind of quiet in this podcast land, so I will amen myself. Amen, Rick. Amen. That was a good word. What is the greatest thing God has ever done for you? Um, and I think that this is a really powerful way that you can kind of help understand what in the world's going on in a person's heart in regards to their understanding of the gospel message. What's the greatest thing God has ever done for you? Because I think ultimately, now there's no real wrong answers really to that question, but I think you can always come back and direct that question into a conversation about the depth of the need that they had for salvation before they before they met Jesus. Uh, because I always tell people our big problem as human beings is we underestimate the grandiose, holy, amazing nature of God. We underestimate it, so we bring him down, and we overestimate how good we are, how not sinful we are, and that kind of thing. And so um, it makes the space that Christ has covered with his sacrifice on the cross smaller, much smaller, <laughs> because it's an immeasurable gap. Am I correct? I mean, the, the chasm that Jesus has bridged by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead um, is bigger than anything you can imagine. Yet, in our human uh, arrogant brains, so many times what we do is we bring God down to where he's not as great and grand and holy as he actually is. He's our friend. He's our buddy. He's our pal. Um, and then we overestimate who we are, our goodness, our holiness, our righteousness, uh, which, by the way, are dirty rags, you know, in 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 perspective to God. Right. Even even the very best things you have done are pretty much garbage in his sight. And so when we have a proper understanding of how um, this whole gospel thing works, really Jesus dying on the cross for my sins and saving me uh, is the best thing, the greatest thing God has ever done for me. And the more that you're honestly transformed by that truth, the more that everything else uh, kind of flows from that. Another question we can ask is, how are you pursuing Christ in your life? And this is a great conversation starter for what does it mean to pursue Christ? And let's just have a nice uh, organic conversation about what does it mean to pursue Christ? What does it mean to worship? Sometimes we think of worship merely as the songs that we sing at church on Sunday, or maybe you're really good and you sing a couple of those songs throughout the week. But but what is worship? How do we bring honor and glory to God's name by every part of our life? Asking ourselves simple questions with maybe complex answers. How do I bring honor and glory to God's name at work? How do I bring honor to glory and glory to God's name at the grocery store when I'm shopping? 
how do how do I do these things? How do I bring honor and glory to God's name while I'm playing summer softball? Like, what are the ways that we do that? How are you pursuing Christ in your life? And then the next one is, in, in what particular way do you feel that you need some instruction? This is a great, powerful question to know from someone so that you actually know um, how you might be able to provide them with resources to grow in a particular area. And this really takes a lot of the mystery out of discipleship because no longer are we just um, hoping and, you know, quote unquote, praying that we'll figure stuff out, that we'll be able to help people. We just ask them, hey, how are you currently pursuing Christ in your life? And in what particular way do you feel like you need some instruction? And it doesn't mean that you as the small group leader have to be the one with all the answers. You can actually just help connect them to the right person. You can be the proverbial, I know a guy kind of guy or girl. You know, it's not what you know, it's who you know and how you can get them connected to those people. In what particular way are you disappointed in your own pursuit of holiness? I think that's a really interesting question that you can ask people um, because it helps you even understand, again, a little bit of their understanding of the gospel. Like, are they performance-oriented people that that they like, man, maybe they shrink back from connecting with God because they feel like their, their life is too messed up. And it's like, hey, by the way, God's the only one that can help you get out of that, that habit pattern, that that sinful thing you have going on. God's the only one that can help you. So avoiding him because you feel too sinful and unworthy is actually kind of destroying yourself before you even get out of the gate. And so uh, that would be a, a great way to kind of understand some of their thought processes and perspectives on the gospel. And then lastly, uh, just this kind of goes along with um, the point number two, of being a small group leader is how specifically can I pray for you? What are some specific areas where I can pray for you that I can help support you and encourage you? So, I mean, I think, you know, that was one, two, three, four, five, six, six simple discipleship conversation starters that I think if you just took one or two of them, like I said, this week and and used one of them, used one or two of them with a friend or a relative or whatever this week or one of your kids or, um, man, I, I mean, how might it shift that person's perspective on their week that we would shift our focus from the natural world around us to the spiritual realm that is so real? I think we might see some pretty powerful things happen in their life um, as they as they go. Oh wow, you know, it's like in Colossians it says, "Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth." That we help people in a moment shift their focus from the natural to the supernatural. So I think that's a pretty good place for us to uh, call it quits for the day. Um, thank you so much. Uh, uh, this is a great solo show today. If I do say so myself, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with you. If you would like to connect with me uh, more, feel free to reach out to me uh, via email at rickm.manahouse.church. Of course, you could uh, follow the podcast, like, uh, subscribe, 
um, review. Yeah, the word is hard to say. Review, um, comment on the podcast, share the podcast with other people. Just kind of spread the word that we're here. Would love for you to help me out in that way. And with that, um, I just say a huge God bless you to you today. Uh, May the Lord give you peace and cover you with his favor. Let his face be upon you. Like just, man, God is so good. He loves you so much. And uh, and I'm excited for how we're going to dive into these discipleship conversation starters, that we would be a massive group of people that are taking steps every single day to grow in our relationship with Jesus and be a better reflection of him and bringing other people along in the journey. Come on. Accepting Jesus' love and sacrifice for us and then bringing people along in the journey with us, that is the picture of discipleship and being disciplers. Come on. Well, you guys have a wonderful day. God bless you and have the most amazing day.